You know, the thing that I've come to realize is that most of us really don't live the way God intends for us to live. Most of us simply exist or, or we endure life. We never experience, I, I think, what Jesus really wants us to experience in life. We never experience why Jesus came. One of the verses that has been a, a life verse for me, um, as far back as I can remember, is John 10.10. 10. Look at what Jesus says. He tells us, he says, I came to give life, life in all its what? Fullness. Life in all its fullness. So what Jesus is doing right up front in John 10 is he is quantifying the life that he desires to give us life in all its fullness. Fullness comes from this Greek word, and I want you to circle that word on your outline, that word fullness. It comes from this Greek word, which means more. Say that with me, more. Have you ever asked the question, isn't there more than this? Isn't there more in life than this? Isn't there more in relationships? Isn't there supposed to be more in my career, and my job than this? Isn't life supposed to be more than this? It also means greater. That's another word you can write down, and I like that one even better. It means greater. Greater than what I'm experiencing now. Greater than what I've already had in the past. It's greater. It's more. It's greater. So basically, Jesus is saying, if you follow me, I will bring you life that has more, a greater life. A few years ago, we had the opportunity to visit uh, my daughter and her husband uh, in Florida. And uh, it was a really interesting trip. We kind of set it up. Uh, you know, she just got married, and so we decided we're going to go and, and see him and, and all of this. And since they only had one car at the time, we decided we're going to rent a car. And actually, we, we planned on seeing my, my daughter in Florida and then driving the nine-hour trip up to see my mom in Tennessee. And so we thought we better get a car and, you know, all that. And so Hertz was the cheapest company. You talk, Caleb talked about a professional shopper. That's my wife. And so she shopped around, and Hertz was the cheapest company to rent from. And so we set up the cheapest car uh, that we could that we could reserve for four people that would hold luggage. You know, you ever go through that whole thing and and uh, you know comfortably? We knew we had the nine-hour trip, and so it's like, all right, this is this can't be some subcompact that we're you know it can't be a Fiat, you know what I'm saying, or something like that. It's got to be something big enough that the four of us um, can travel up and back and all that kind of stuff. So we ended up reserving a Chevy Cavalier. And, and then no, no bells and whistles. I mean, she, you know, I said, hey, what car did you get? And she goes, a Chevy Cavalier. I'm like, oh, oh okay, that, that's cool. And no offense, if you have a Cavalier, that's fine. You know, it's just, there's just no bells and whistles. There's no, you know, it just, it's just a car. You know, it's wheels, you know. And so, and so nothing against it. It's just pretty, pretty generic. And um, so, so we go to get the car, and we, we didn't actually get the car at the, the airport. We decided to get it away from the airport. It's a little bit cheaper. You don't, if you don't know, that's a tip, by the way. Um, we decided to get it, you know, in Gainesville. And so we go the day of to get to pick up the car, and we show up, and they say, we're sorry, we don't have a car for you. We're like, wait, whoa, wait, what? what? We need, we're leaving tomorrow to go see my, we need a car. And they said, we're, we're so sorry, just things got mixed up, and we just don't have a car for you. We don't, we don't have anything here. We, we're, we're expecting some cars to come in from Georgia tomorrow, and, and if it's okay, um, could you come back tomorrow? And, I, I mean, I, you guys, you know, customer service, right? I mean, you're, you're looking, it's like, I just wasted my time. Now I've got to spend another day in Gainesville. We didn't plan on that. Now, so I'm expressing this to the people. 
And they said, oh, but let us check, because we'd like to give you a free upgrade if we can. I'm like, okay, what are we talking, you know? Um, they said, well, let, let, let's, let's take a look. And so they said, uh, looks like we, we're going to have a Dodge Charger available. Would that be okay for the same price? And so I whipped out my phone, and I, and I was actually looking at the Dodge Charger to see, and it has all the bells and whistles. It has the V8. It has, you know, it's like sports car model. And um, I go back to this, to this question, would, would this... Would this upgrade be okay? Would I, would I mind this kind of upgrade, is, is the way the person said it to me. What do you think I said? I was like, you know, if I got to stay another day, you're going to give me something out of this. I'm going to get an upgrade. And, and I didn't really have to think about it. It was like a no-brainer. I just said, yes. And so this is us with our Dodge Charger. You know, that next day we picked it up and we had a blast. In fact, at one point, my, my daughter and her husband actually came up to Tennessee. And Bryce and Brooke went back to Gainesville with, with them. And so Dee Dee and I ended up with a Dodge Charger sports car by ourselves doing the nine-hour trip back down to Florida. It was a blast. Don't ask me how high I got the speedometer. But anyway, um, it was a blast. They, there are certain parts of Georgia that 80 is like the speed limit. And so we were having fun. Anyway, um, to say the least, it was an upgrade to remember for us. It wasn't a convertible. That would have been better. But this was really close to that, right? You know, why did Jesus come? I, I think we miss this sometimes. Jesus came to give life in all its fullness. So... So basically, Jesus is saying, would you mind an upgrade? Would you be interested in an upgrade? From what you're experiencing now, would you be, would you be interested in an upgrade? He doesn't just offer life generic. He offers an upgrade of life, more life, greater life. That's what we're going to talk about over the next couple of weeks. Would you pray with me? God... We're getting into your word here, and we ask that you would help us to learn, help us to open up our minds and our hearts to everything that you want to say to us. This is, uh, God, this is a topic that um, can have a little bit of controversy around it. It's a topic that is a little bit tricky because sometimes if we can get this out of sync with the way you mean it, if we get this idea of blessed out of um, order, out of your intent, it, it becomes this weird, skewed, mixed-up thing in our lives. And we, we've probably seen that in church world and among Christians. That's not what we want to talk about in this series. We, we want to look at what you speak to us. Help us to hear you. We pray it in your name. Everybody said, Amen. I believe that God wants to bless you and he wants to bless me. I believe that. I want you to get this down right off the top. This is our main point for today. God wants me to experience a life full of blessing. God wants me to experience a life full of blessing. At the beginning of time, God started this whole thing called the human race, our human existence, with this in mind. Take a look at Genesis 1. 
Verse 27 says, God created human beings in his own image. He created them male and female. Then God, what? Blessed them. That's huge. Then God blessed them and said, be fruitful and multiply. I don't know if you know that the first command ever given was be fruitful and multiply. Anyway, we did, have done a pretty good job on that one. Um, fill the earth and govern it. Blessing, don't miss this, a blessing is a part of the origin story of mankind. Blessing, God's blessing. God started out his relationship with mankind by blessing us. Is that awesome? He starts out that way. From there, then, we fast forward these centuries and we end up, slow down, around 1996 B.C., to what's called the starting point of faith. You could Google this. This is basically what I did. This is an amazing thing. All of the three largest faith traditions in the world start here. Islam, Judaism, and Christianity have the same starting point of faith. All three of these faiths believe that there was a single God who created the heavens and earth he may have a different name in each of these faiths, but God is pretty much the same in each faith tradition. He is a God who created the heavens and earth, and all three of these faiths believe that the first man on earth was who? Adam. It's interesting. Jews and Christians have a similar belief about Adam, but you may not know that the Muslims believe that Adam was not only the first human being, Muslims believe that Adam was the first Muslim. Um, and so Adam's story is told in the Quran. So it's interesting that all three faith traditions have this story of the first man being Adam. So, so all of the, the major faith traditions of, of the world believe the same. There was a creator of the world, and there was a first person named Adam. And then they believe that God created not only a perfect world, but they believe that humanity messed things up. That, that humanity made a mess of everything that God created and, and things ended up badly. And so the three major faith traditions agree that God interacted, communicated, began a relationship with a single man to correct what mankind had messed up. So Islam, Judaism, and Christianity view Abraham as the father of faith. All three faith traditions view Abraham as the father of faith. Isn't that interesting? And so all three major faith traditions, they, they converge, they come together on Abraham. But then Islam goes in one direction, Judaism goes in another direction, and then later on, years later, Christianity ends up somewhere else. But they all start, they all uh, start with Adam, and they end up with this faith connection, this faith-defining um, moment in history with Abraham. And the reason that I'm talking about all of this is because there's a conversation that is recorded in the book of Genesis between God and Abraham that is so crucial to our understanding when we talk about being blessed by God. And it kind of kicks off this concept of our series. If you don't know how I teach, I like to teach in what I call chapters. And so today is our introduction, if you will. It's our introduction into this idea of what we're going to talk about for the next several weeks. And so a part of this is Genesis chapter 12. Take a look at this one. The Lord said to Abraham, I will, what? Bless you, and you will be a blessing to others. All the people on earth will be, what? Blessed. Through you. You get the idea there? Bless, blessing, and blessed. I mean, 
All three conjugations of the word, right there, right? In, in those two verses, God is trying to get a message across to Abraham. He's telling Abraham, I'm going to bless you. And you will be a blessing to other people. I notice that God starts the conversation. If, you know, I didn't give you the whole text, but if you back up and you look at Genesis 11 and Genesis 12, God starts this conversation with Abraham. He initiates this contact. So God tells Abraham, what I've got in store for you is way bigger than you. And I believe that's something that he would say to us too. As, as much as God loved Abraham and chose Abraham, he's saying, Abraham... It's bigger than you. As much as I have for you, as much as I want to do through your life, it's bigger than you. It's so much bigger than you. And so toward the end of his life, we read in Genesis 24 that Abraham was now a very old man and the Lord had blessed him in every way. Let, let's just think about that last line for a moment. Blessed him in how many ways? every way. That's huge. I mean, that, that is bigger than anything I can really grab onto, mentally, emotionally, whatever you, it, it's it, to, to think that God would bless this man in every way. God wants us to experience a life of blessing. Say that with me. God wants us to experience a life of blessing. So 1,500 years later, Jesus comes onto the scene of humanity. Jesus heals people. Jesus stops the storms. Jesus sets people free. He starts doing all of these miraculous, supernatural things. Jesus does these things that people think are impossible to do. He proves that he's God through this. And then one of Jesus' closest followers, one of Jesus' closest friends, the Apostle John writes this, to all who believed him and accepted him. So basically, to those that are followers of him. To all who believed him and accepted him, he, Jesus, gave the right to become children of God. Researchers, scholars call this a spiritual adoption process. It's where you and I are adopted into God's family by believing in Jesus, by following Jesus. Jesus was issuing an invitation for people to become the child of, a living, of the living God. That, that this invitation was extended to all people, to anyone who believes, including you and I. And then the Apostle Paul connects this, this idea with Abraham in Galatians 3. Take a look at this. Paul says, now that you belong to Christ, so here we're talking about being followers, accepting, believing, we're getting in on this, experiencing God through what Jesus has done. Now that you belong to Christ, you are the true children of, look at this, Abraham. Now keep in mind, Paul is not just writing to Jewish people here because of heritage, because of family line. He's writing to everyone, Jews and Gentiles, Jews and non-Jews. I, I would assume that includes you. I'm a non-Jew, and I believe that Paul is writing to all of us here. And he's saying that if you belong to Christ, you are now a true child. You're in the family line of Abraham. Look what he says. You are his heirs, and God's promise to Abraham belongs to you. Wait, 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 let's go back. Genesis 24, Abraham's life was blessed 
in every way. And now Paul is saying, because of your faith in Jesus, you're getting in on the blessing that has been offered to Abraham. You're not shouting, jumping around like I thought you'd be jumping right now, you know? But think about this. This is a huge blessing. We don't really connect the dots all that much because Abraham is a guy of history and he is way back then and, you know, it's a Bible character and all this kind of stuff. But, but, but think about the fact that, that Paul is saying you can be a part of this blessing, that the blessing that was offered, God's blessing that was offered to Abraham is the same blessing that is offered to you as a follower of Christ. Paul continues this idea in Romans 8. I love this. He says, if we are God's children... If you are God's children, we will receive blessings, same idea, from God together with Christ. Isn't that huge? God wants to bless us. Now, I got to tell you this, though. Before we go off thinking, expecting God to give us whatever we want, because that's what we have a tendency to do, and that's what the church world has a tendency to do. And if you cruise, you know, the internet, if you cruise your TV channels, you'll find people that are kind of giving you this idea that God's going to give you anything you ask for because he wants to bless you. Before we get off going that direction, here's here's the, the key to this. God wants to bless us, not spoil us. Big difference. If you're a parent, you know what I'm talking about. Uh, Even if you're not a parent, you've probably seen parents who do the spoiling, but not the blessing. Blessing is a completely different thing. Blessed does not mean spoiled. Say that with me. Blessed does not mean spoiled. God will not spoil you. In fact, I think some Christians need to quit acting like brats who are spoiled by God. Because God never promises to spoil us. God never promises to give us everything we want. I, I saw, I was talking to my family last night about a situation yesterday. I was at Vaughn's and came out to the parking lot to get my truck, and here's a mom with her daughter, and the mom is seated in the driver's seat of the car with the door open, and the daughter is standing next to the car, pitching a fit. Do you know what I mean by that? Pitching, throwing a fit. They just, she's just losing it, and she's saying out loud, but I'm hungry. I want the rolls now. And she just kept getting louder and louder. And everybody's walking by like, oh, man. You know. and, and this mom says, I'm going to count to five because we have to go home and eat dinner. That's what the rolls are for. You will get a roll when we get home for dinner. I'm going to count to five, and you're going to get in the car. She was just as cool as a cucumber, man. I'm just, honestly, I was just kind of like this. I'm like, you go, mom, you go, you know, yeah. And she said, I'm going to count to five. And if you're not in the car, I'm going to leave you standing there. Five, four, three. And the girl, you know, whips around, gets in her seat. And I see her buckling the seat. And then the mom shuts her door and away they go. Spoiled. Or blessed. A lot of the times as Christians, we think that God wants to spoil us, that God will give us everything we ask for. And when we have issues, when we have problems, when we have struggles, we say back to God, I didn't ask for this. 
I think God's response would be, I know. I'm God, you're not. I've got this under control. I'm going to bless you, but I'm not going to give you everything you want, everything you ask for. How many of you parents know that it would not be a healthy thing to give your child everything they ask for? Right? I mean, man, I, 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 I can just see where things would go if we as parents end up giving our kids everything they ask for. It's not wise, is it? Why? Because a child has tunnel vision where we as parents, hopefully we as parents, can see the bigger picture. Help me out on this. Am I right? Right? And so because we see the bigger picture, we know that, no, this is not a good thing for you. Maybe here, later, but right now, this is not a good thing. No, in, these, uh, in, in this way, yes, you can experience this like the lady with the roll. You're going to have a roll. It's going to be for dinner, but it's not going to be right here as you're throwing a fit in the parking lot of Vaughn's. It's going to be at home when we're sitting at our dinner table and we're having dinner together. I think we need to be careful of this. God never promises to spoil us. He will not give us all the things we want to make us happy. In fact, this isn't on my notes. Can I just tell you, God does not want to make you comfortable. He wants to develop who you are. And the times that you grow the most... It's when you are uncomfortable. You say, well, what are you saying? You're saying that God's going to let me go through tough times? He'll be with you. That's what he promises. But he never says that, he, that you will not go through tough times. You'll face struggles. It's, it's developing. I mean, just read the New Testament. James talks about it. Peter talks about it. It's, it's, it's this developing of character. It's developing who you are. That's what God wants to do. He doesn't want to make you comfortable. He wants to make you a man or a woman that is following him, growing in him, sharing him with other people. That's what he wants to make you. The other thing that we need to realize, I know this isn't in your outline, but you may want to write this down. God wants to bless us, but he doesn't owe us anything. And a lot of the times we think that. We think, well, God's blessing is connected with the fact that we've done all these great things and that we go to church all the time and, you know, all of this. Listen to me. Hang on here. Okay, I might step on your toe. I don't mean to, kind of. But anyway, God doesn't owe us health. He doesn't owe us a spouse. He doesn't owe us a date. He doesn't owe us kids. He doesn't owe us good kids. God doesn't owe us a job. He doesn't owe us the promotion. He doesn't owe us a better boss. He doesn't owe us a pay raise. God doesn't owe us a place to live, a car to drive, food to eat. God doesn't owe us a life without pain, without stress without worry, without struggle. God doesn't owe us. We associate being good or going to church or having morals as things along with other things that earn us the blessing of God, that earn us the favor of God. But God's blessing, it doesn't come because of our goodness. We are not good enough to get God's blessing. A blessing is something that you don't work for. When you're given a blessing, it's something you didn't earn. It's something that you don't have to pay back. That's God blessing us. 
And I I want us right up front in this series to get this right mind frame, this right perspective on what blessing is. It has nothing to do with God owing us. It has nothing to do with God spoiling us. It, It has everything to do with him moving in our life and giving us an experience that we had not planned on. The Apostle Paul writes extensively, um, all throughout his letters, and if you don't know, he wrote several letters to different churches, groups of believers in different areas. And the Apostle Paul writes extensively about how Jesus' followers can experience the blessing of God. He, he writes about this specifically in a letter that he wrote to, to Christians in the city of Ephesus, a highly religious, highly spiritual place where dozens of gods and goddesses were worshipped. It was an area that, that was just consumed with pagan worship. People would come from all over the, this, these enormous areas, come in for these events to worship at the temple of Artemis. If you don't know that, it's one of the seven great wonders of the world. I've got a, a rendition of what the temple of Artemis would have looked like. Um, it's the temple of Diana also in, in um, their religion. When Paul first arrived at Ephesus, though, he preached the message of Jesus. He told people about what Jesus can do in their life. And in Acts 19, we're told that people became so convinced about Jesus that they began to get rid of all of their witchcraft and all of their sorcery items amounting to several millions of dollars. They burned all of the temple and the items. All of this kind of worship had one goal in mind. It was to get the favor of the gods to get the blessing of the gods and Paul began sharing that God wants to bless you through Jesus not what you do not what you earn not what you deserve God wants to bless you Through Jesus, you can't do anything to make the living God bless you. Listen to what Paul writes, Ephesians 1. All praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing because we are united with Christ. Even before he made the world, God loved us and chose us. God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus. This is what he wanted to do, and it gave him great pleasure. When you believed in Christ, God identified you as his own by giving you the Holy Spirit. The Spirit is God's guarantee that he will give us the inheritance he promised. Wow. Blessing. In the original Greek text, that whole passage, Ephesians uh, chapter 1, was written in one sentence. I mean, talk about a run-on sentence grammatically, right? I mean, it just one sentence. And it was written that way because one sentence shares a big idea. I mean, Paul could not stop expressing how he was feeling, and it just went. It just flowed onto the paper. And the idea that Paul was expressing is exactly what we've talked about all day today. God wants us to experience a life full of blessing. 
That's what it's all about. God wants to bless your life. God delights in blessing your life, blessing his people, blessing his children. Jesus says in Luke eleven six that God is a father who doesn't withhold anything that is good from his children, that he loves them and he is generous to them. You know, when it comes to following God, you're either a cat or a dog. And that's an interesting analogy, isn't it? Turn to the person next to you and just tell them, you're a cat or a dog. Come on, just tell them, you're a cat or a dog. Now, let, let me explain a little bit of this. You're either a cat or a dog. There's, there's a cat and there's a dog, and they have the same owner. So they, so they both have the same owner, and he is the best owner, best master possible. He provides comfortable places for them to sleep for the cat and the dog. He, he provides very good food for them to eat. They are groomed every day. They are played with every day. They are spoken to and they are hand petted every day by this owner, this master. They are well treated and cared for in every way possible. He is an incredible master and the cat thinks to itself, I must be an amazing cat to be treated this way. When all along the dog is thinking, I must have an amazing master to be treated this way. You think I'm a dog person? Yeah. My point is this. All too often we think like cats. That's a crazy looking cat, isn't it? I think I just kind of hear him doing that weird purr thing right there. You know, we think, look how amazing I am, look how important I am, as if we deserve the blessings that God gives. You say, well, Bart, I don't think that. I don't say that. You're going to find out through this series that if you don't live a grateful, thankful life, you're living like a cat. Man, I could take this analogy way. Does a cat... Well, you may, be a, you may be a cat person, but all the cats that I have had in my life, and I've had a lot of cats growing up, we never really had, we had one out of probably 12. Cats, that, that you feed them and they just kind of go off and they do their thing. They're just wild, okay? We had one cat that would come back and thank us. It's kind of like the story that, you know, the, 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 the lepers that Jesus told, the, the lepers, they go away and only one comes back to thank you. You know, you know it was kind of that way in our home. There was only one that would really thank. But every dog that we've ever had, every dog that I've ever had since I got out on my own even, anytime you feed them, they come back and they thank you. They lick you, they rub on you, they, they, you know, we have two dogs right now that just, they're completely different personalities, and one is like, jumps up and rubs all over me, and the other one is just comes up close, and you reach out to pet Toby, and he's like, he backs up a little bit, and you got, you got to stretch a little more. He wants you to pet him, but he's going to back up, you know, it's just, he's, he's different, you know, but they are thanking you for what you do as a master, and I think so often, if we're not careful, we get all these blessings in our lives the thing that we're going to see in the next couple of weeks is we are so blessed. We really are. I don't care where you are in your economic level of your family. I don't care what kind of job you have. I don't care what kind of debt you have. I don't care where you are in the stage of life. I don't care where your health is at. 
I mean, I care, but you know what I'm saying. It, it, I'm not talking about, I just, we are blessed. We are blessed. And all too often, we think like cats. When all along, we experience blessings because God is amazing. It's all because of God. It has nothing to do with me. God is so good and so gracious and so generous. God wants you and me to live on another level. God wants us to experience a life full of blessing. Get that down. That's the last fill in. It's the only blank that we've had all day today. God wants us to experience, wants me to experience a life full of blessing. So like I said, today was just our intro chapter of getting us into this series. And um, I think it's important for us to realize what blessed is all about. I hope you come back next week for part two. We're going to talk a little bit next week about why God blesses us and, and what he's trying to accomplish in, in our lives, that there is a purpose to what he does.